2: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: I'm so the crack. never changed. me and my son the so the blue part of the, the, blue part of the Ain't nothing I I to roll with
0: those Well, nothing good. Fire. The Sports Company podcast that coached St. Peter's from 1982 to 2021, and really feels like it missed out here. God, 30 years of my life down the drain. I'm your host Adam Weinerman. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and cutting out the center of the referee training manual for March Madness and sticking in some BattleBots rules in a flask. Big show today. UNC sixth man B. Dot talks to me about the Tar Heels' magical run, plus a true crime podcast about who killed your bracket. But first. Let's take a quick trip through the headlines. America's darlings, the 15-seeded St. Peter's Peacocks defeated Kentucky and Murray State to move on to the Sweet 16. And now begins the interminable wait until we find out why exactly St. Peter's is weird. Remember Florida Gulf Coast? Remember Oral Roberts? Time comes for us all. Milkshake Duck University is not to be trusted. St. Peter's best player? Point guard, Pearly Gates. You love it. Meanwhile, John Calipari is on the hot seat, but not because of coaching. He's just sitting on a stolen chair at a mafia hideout. Coach K and the Duke Blue Coach Ks are in the Sweet 16 as well, sneaking past Michigan State. Down five late, Coach K slipped the refs an extra five. Hey, what's ten dollars at a time like this? The Falcons have traded quarterback Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts, where owner Jim Irsay has demanded he change his nickname from Matty Ice to Matty on the Rocks. No matter what you think of Ryan, he has a chance to bolster his Hall of Fame case in Indy by injuring his neck, then setting records in Denver. Devontae Adams called joining the Raiders a, quote, dream come true. But to be fair, he said the same thing about giving an important speech in his underwear. The Kansas City Chiefs shocked the world by responding to Tyreek Hill's trade request immediately. Kudos to that extremely efficient HR department. That is a Herculean task. KC shipped Hill with the Miami Dolphins for a fleet of draft picks. Said Chiefs GM Brett Veach, who knows? We might even find the next Tyreek Hill. The Jets also tried to trade for Hill but did not offer a first round pick. It also came with a PowerPoint entitled, the second round is the first round now, ask anyone, they'll tell you we changed it. Superstar shortstop Carlos Correa signed a three-year deal with the Minnesota Twins. And in future news, a terrible cheating scandal has rocked the Minnesota Twins. Many were confused by Correa's commitment, but the contract does have opt-outs after year two, year one, and next Monday. A judge has decreed MLB's letter to the Yankees addressing their sign-stealing should go public. According to sources, the letter includes damning information, like Brian Cashman ordering his scouts to cheat just enough to lose to the Astros anyway. MLB has announced the so-called Ghost Runner will return for extra inning games in 2022. The Ghost Runner, of course, is a regular runner who Rob Manfred impaled on a hunk of metal. That's not the only rule change coming to baseball this year. There's also the Ghost Paycheck, which will be given to all minor leaguers, and the Ghost Franchise, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Phil Mickelson will miss the Masters for the first time since 1994, hopefully not because he's been dismembered. That'd be ironic. Zion Williamson posted a dunk video to show his progress even after being ruled out for his third NBA season. Williamson has a rare foot injury that heals completely the second he leaves New Orleans. And now we take an inside look at a new true crime podcast that investigates who killed your bracket. It was a peacock. Wasn't it? That unmistakable blue feather, that strutting bravado. It was an open and shut case. But you made the ultimate mistake. You trusted John Calipari. And he shook your hand, turned around, and mimed a throat-slash gesture to his consigliere. Or was that a thumbs up? We weren't there. We can't know. But we must. When I began this investigation, I had preconceived notions like everybody else. I talked to Marsha Fennessy, a professor of bracketology at MIT, about the clues, but during our conversation, she kept flagging my assumptions. She'd say, you're projecting. You've never heard of St. Peter's, and that's okay, but you're creating a narrative while ignoring the data in front of you. And she was right. None of us had heard of St. Peter's last week. None of us had any faith in the Richmond Spiders and their particular brand of venom, and we all trusted Iowa, but for what reason? Were any of us from Iowa? Or did we just watch the Big Ten tournament and sever the part of our brains that reminds us the Big Ten is overrated? The clues were countless, the one who killed my bracket was me. I was the fool on the hill. I absentmindedly clicked Tennessee through to the Final Four without knowing any of their players. I had Chattanooga and UAB in the Sweet Sixteen just because it would be, quote, pretty sick to get that right. And perhaps most importantly, I steadfastly backed John Calipari because he always gets the most out of the most talent, something that hasn't been true since Superbase was on the radio. I talked again to Marsha Fantasy from MIT. She was the only person I talked to and showed her where I sat in my office pool standings. 74th, behind half the sales team, 25 year old who run social, and a bracket called My Boss's Name 3, indicating he paid triple the money to slaughter my ass just because he could. A power move for the ages. Marsha told me to evacuate her office and delete the recordings, but I wasn't even recording. I just needed to talk. Because when you are the real killer, you have this compulsion, this urge to get it out, the sick and twisted desire to go to the bathroom and do a durst belch, telling every listener that you killed them all. Every bracket. Because there's no joy in public confession, only the surreptitious kind. Next year, you'll be right back at it. You'll pick a conference tournament champion because they just cut the nets and then they'll cut you right back. You'll have misguided faith in a famous team that's always there, but then a different famous team that's always there will have the run you invented. You'll click every 12 seed except for the right one. A five-six guard named Randy Dirt Dugger will go eight of 10 from three for Wofford in a game you accidentally slept through on a Saturday morning. If there was any justice in this world, you'd be in prison. But with the power of Joe Lunardi behind you, you'll live to kill again. Region of Death is produced by Kate Fensweller in conjunction with Taji Jabo, Garrison Trimble, and Cal Osfort. Special thanks to Red Blanket Media, Natasha Troll, Laz Diaz, Seth Davis, and Black Blanket Media. And Region of Death wouldn't exist without listeners like you fucking up your bracket annually. Good tidings! And now a giddy North Carolina Tar Heels fandom check-in with both the men's and women's basketball teams in the Sweet 16, one of only three universities with that honor. There are three, but this one's the only one that matters. We brought in the sixth man of UNC basketball and in-arena hype man BDOT to take us through the madness. Take it away. I'm proud to be here with Tar Heel Six Man B Dot. When he's in the building, you know the energy's up on late night or a normal night, whatever kind of night. How you doing, man? Sweet
1: sixteen, sweet sixteen, baby. Ain't it so sweet, Caroline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes sir.
0: God, it feels good to say that because a month and a half ago, season objectively looked bleak. I know you're a positive dude, but you know you, you can't be feeling great at that point. Then they save their season. They go into Virginia Tech. They win on the road. The Coach K finale game will live on forever and then right into the tourney run. It's already sort of the perfect year one for Hubert Davis, but
1: you do want more, right? Absolutely, man. Like, and I didn't even think I wanted more, Adam. Like, I was perfectly fine beating Duke and Cameron, losing first round of the ACC tournament, losing first round of the NCAA tournament, and getting ready for next season. Coach HD is already overachieved, as far as I'm concerned, by losing two key pieces, two key cogs of the offense and of the team with Ann Harris and on uh, Dawson Garcia early this season. Then you know the the atrocities that's happened with you know injuries and things like it's Just it just what he's done this first season: 15 and two at home, top three in the ACC, Sweet 16 appearance, beat Coach K in his last game in Cameron. I told Kenny Williams, I said, if, if HD cuts down the nets this year, he should retire. Just retire, Adam. There's nothing else to do. You're, you will be on the Mount Rushmore of Carolina coaches forever. I'm talking about third, right behind Coach Roy Williams. Coach Dean Smith, Coach Roy Williams, Coach HD, and then you got to put Coach Frank up there.
0: Yeah. If coach K had done what coach Hubert just did in his first season, he'd be raising a banner already. He'd already be in the Raptors.
1: Right, 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 right. Sure. It's
0: amazing. I mean, so obviously his growth, uh, you knew he had it in him, but his growth has got to impress you this season, which Carolina players growth has impressed you the most this season. Who, who are you sort of proudest of from season open to, to now this sweet 16 run?
1: Um, God, that's a very good question. Nobody's really asked me that. I, it's tough for me to say. Um, I heard things about how well of a, how good of a shooter Brady Manic was, and I really just love his story. I love the fact that he had never come out East. This was all new to him, and the love that he's received from the Carolina family and the backing up of love by dropping a hellacious amount of buckets that he's done this season. He has been super fun to watch. Um, I think everybody has a very interesting storyline to me, though. Like, Leaky battling the anxiety and adversity of just becoming that glue guy. Like I love Leaky's family. I love Leaky. So that's something that's real near and dear to me. Um, Armando, the beginning of the season. You know, you know, not knowing exactly what he was gonna do to becoming a legendary figure with the most double doubles in Carolina history. Like, are you serious? Like this dude is a monster. Like I've loved his storyline. Um, RJ, I've loved the way he's put the team on his back moving forward. Caleb, I love the offensive production he's gotten. Caleb, to me, would be the one who I don't have the biggest storyline for. And it's only because Caleb has been so consistently inconsistent that it drives the Carolina family crazy. Like we see the 6'4 guard that can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He can impose his will, but sometimes – When it's in between the ears, there's nothing you can do about it. And until he learns how to really take control of that, um, you know, he's going to have these ups and downs type deal. But you can't deny the skill set like he got in the offseason. His three point percentage is going up hellacious. His turnovers have gone down tremendously. So I love what Caleb is becoming. Hopefully he'll give us one more run and become one of the greatest point guards that I think we've ever had.
0: Yeah, Caleb love threes. They go one of two ways. They're either like so pure and you're so pumped he's taking them, or they're like clanging and you're like this is such a bad sign. Like exactly but again, yeah. I would I would absolutely run it back. He's shown me more than enough.
1: And it's the, I just wanted not to interrupt you, but the confidence to take those shots though, you know. Like even Trez um, Trez he's stepping up and taking that big three in overtime against Baylor. Like things like that. Like I I need you to have those Cajunes. You know what I'm saying? Like I need you to have that. that that, that fortitude that I'm going to go and I'm going to take this shot. I might not make it, but I'm willing to live with the results. And I respect that from Caleb. And I love that aggression.
0: Yeah. And that Trez moment. I mean, let's talk about the last 10 minutes of that Baylor game and OT. I mean, now that it's over, I don't know if you're ever going to rewatch that. (laughs) I probably will not. Um, I know you're a positive guy, but Did you sort of have that sinking feeling when they kicked Manic out or were you still optimistic? Because I was fending off those reverse jinx texts from people being like, it's over, it's over. And I'm like, it's never, it's truly never over. And it wasn't, but yeah.
1: I was nervous because I was already trying to plan a trip to Philly. Um, I was sort of talking on my timeline in the direction that the game was over. So people were hitting me up like, you know, jinxing is real, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I hope I didn't jinx us." But I'm gonna be honest. It's not that I'm positive. I'm I'm a realist, and I just really knew that we still had enough weapons to compete. I knew that they were so emotionally done. Like they, they Baylor was out of it. The only thing that could have won it was the way it went with the with us not being as aggressive as we were the first uh, uh, 30 minutes. The refs playing the little intricate parts that they played, and then the confidence and the desperation that Baylor played with. Um, but I didn't get nervous until overtime. When R.J. missed that three, I was so devastated. I was disappointed that he didn't attack the basket. I was disappointed that he missed the shot. And I just did not think we had enough. I thought Baylor had done everything that they needed to do to get over the mountaintop. And now they were going to go ahead and finish through to the finish line. And when we got the opening tip in overtime, I said, wait a minute, can we get a bucket right here? And then not only to get a bucket, but Trezzy hits a three. I said, oh, wait a minute we could actually win this again. Hold on now. They, the boys ain't done. And that's what I love about this team. Like they showed it early in the season against games like Brown and the Michigan game where, and even the college of Charleston game, where it was games where no, not to any teams prior, but they were games where previous teams might've folded in those moments would have gotten a little too far behind and said, you know what, forget it. I, I, we can't win it. But those, t- but they showed fight in those games. And people would always joke on me because Michigan wasn't playing very well. Bragging about relentlessness against College of Charleston and Brown doesn't really seem brag-worthy. But again, being there in those moments and seeing it, it just felt different. And then when we lost to Wake in the fashion that we did and then lost to Duke in the fashion that we did and then lost to Picks in the fashion that we did, it was kind of like, maybe we ain't much different. But I'm glad to see that they're all buying in and gelling at the perfect time. The men's team and the women's team, Adam, like the women. Both of them in the three sixteen, Sixteen, man. We are balling at Carolina, man. It is crazy. Yeah, let's give a shout out to the women's team too, because I mean
0: Deja Kelly is is a stud, and Ooh. their you know their win on on Monday night was just like I mean that's a four five, and they made it look like a one sixteen that was dominant.
1: Dude, Coach Banghart has done a tremendous job, man. And she took a play out of Coach HD's book and playing just the iron five in the second half or that fourth quarter. I don't know if you that. But Coach Banghart was dealt a crazy hand at the beginning of the season. Um, she lost Poole. She lost McPherson. Two All-Americans. They never even got the suit up. Um, but what she's done with the transfers and Littlefield and, and Hodgson and Alyssa Usky has stepped up. Um, uh, Kennedy Ty Williams is playing out of her mind. Anya Poole is playing big. The bench helps when they do. Again, both squads. They're, they're limited with their, with their personnel, but they're bought into the Carolina basketball. They bought into Coach Banghart. They bought into Coach HD. And you're seeing the results of a of – a, I mean, this team, both the men and the women, neither were ranked. Uh, they were bubble teams at best. Uh, they weren't going to make the NCAA tournament. And now look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not me. Not me. That's why. That's why I called the emergency pod. Not me. But now, it, like you're telling me, I get to talk about this with you. Yeah. All right. Let's roll. Let's do it. It's amazing, um, dude. I-, I can't believe it. Um. So we got stuck with the late night Sweet Sixteen Friday night. It's like nine fifty or whatever, depending on the other outcomes. Right. Not what I wanted. Not what I was hoping for. But I'm settled in. Where are you going to be watching that game? Are you going to
1: Philly? I will not be going to Philly. Um. I am. um, I'm a comedian bro I'm I'm an arena host I do a lot of different things I wear a lot of different hats uh, figuratively and literally and um, on Friday night the Greensboro Swarm which is the G League affiliate for the Hornets I'm the PA announcer for them we have a game at 7pm the game is the field house is adjacent to the Coliseum where the women's team will be playing I will be 150 feet And will not be able to see it and it is driving me crazy but as soon as that game is over i'm gonna rush over to the greensboro coliseum hopefully we'll just have upset south carolinas uh and 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 really made the whole world go crazy i'll go hug coach banghart hug the girls and then i'm gonna get to a viewing party um I'm, i'm locking in the details right now so i can't really announce it now because i haven't solidified it but Keep locked to my social media. I do think I'm going to be having a viewing party for the Carolina family, for the Hills house, um, so we can all be together and uh, watch the game. And the people that's coming from the Coliseum, they can all meet us over there, and we just have a good time. If that doesn't pan out, though, I will be at my house by myself watching the game, going crazy.
0: Good. Both sound like fine scenarios. What are you doing? Are you going to Philly, Adam? No, I wish I, I got. I, I'm a comedian too. I got stuff to do in the city that weekend. Um, I got a show to prepare for on Tuesday. I'm That's doing sketch it. stuff, but um, I was thinking about it. I mean, the, the late night aspect of it. Like, I got to be back Saturday at like uh, like noon. Am I gonna dare? I don't know. I
1: almost dared. Not, not I dare. <laughs> now I will tell you this: if the boys handle business this weekend, I will be in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I almost almost set this New Orleans Final Four as my bachelor party. And I backed out because I thought it was going to be too nerve-wracking. I also didn't think, I again, unranked team. Look I didn't say had a shot. <laughs> Congratulations to you, man. Thank you. Uh, I mean, That's it was so sort so of an unrealistic, it was a little bit of an unrealistic goal for a bachelor party. But the fact <laughs> that I almost did that is kind of nuts, too. Absolutely. Gutsy. Gutsy call, Alan. <laughs> Gutsy call. Um, so how are you feeling about UCLA? What, what sort of your rapid reaction to that matchup?
1: I'm ready for whoever we got in front of us at this point, man. Like, they've, they've it's, again, they've exceeded my expectations. The team is going to come in. I think we're going to have a hungry Brady Manning, who was ejected. He's going to be, and not just hungry, but in the mindset of he feels like knowing Brady the way I've gotten to know him over the season, he's going to feel apologetic for being kicked out of that game. He's going to put that on his own back. He, I feel like he's going to come out. A sharpshooter could go for forty-five. Could put the number on his chest on the scoreboard. Could do that. Mondo's going to be double-double. RJ is—he's been superb this tournament. Um, first game, he wasn't efficient offensively, but he dropped dimes like Kendall Marshall, you know. Second game, Caleb wasn't as efficient offensively, so he picked up the slacks. I went for a thirty burger and tens. Like RJ's going to—I always do this when I talk about RJ because he just always puts us on his back. Always, you know. Leaky's going to lock down. Um, I, think, I think I got Leakey on Juzane. I think Leakey guards him, shuts him down. Um, they got uh, Tiger Campbell. I think that's going to be RJ's duty. Um, they real, they're, they're real guard heavy, and they don't really have an iron five, but they get a lot of minutes with their starters. They run like a four-guard set, and that's going to put Brady on um, Jamie. I think that puts Brady on Jamie because Jamie's got that bum right ankle. I know he messed up his ankle. He's been having ankle issues So hopefully that him and Brady's defense or lack thereof can sort of balance out. And then um, I think Armando should beast on the interior, man. Like I really see us advancing and and not from just a biased standpoint, but this is a game that we were supposed to play earlier this season. And because of COVID things, we weren't able to do so. Earlier in the season, I was very scared of UCLA. I did not want to play them. Right now, I feel very, very good about our chances.
0: Agreed, and how how glad are you that we didn't have to get that first matchup out of the way? Given the main right. insight, like that might have looked ugly. That might have looked like the Kentucky game, and now there's just nothing. It, it didn't happen.
1: It did. We're good, man. We're playing with house money, man. Like again, HD had already cemented himself as the guy. Um, finished top three in the ACC and beating uh, Duke and Cameron. It was already done. Like at that point, all the naysayers had to shut up. Um the things he's doing at this point is just <laughs> it's just so fun to watch man like we're such a, a a fortunate fan base to have coach Banghart and coach HD um for the next however many years in Carolina it's a beautiful thing.
0: It's unbelievable. Um what a giddy what a giddy pod. I'll I'll let you go on this. I got to <laughs> ask just cuz I got to comedian to comedian which of this year's Carolina players would be the best cast members on Wild and Out?
1: Um, Armando would be a fun cast member on, on Wild and Out only because all of the jokes they would throw at Armando. Like they would joke on Armando with the hair, like they would joke on him forever. So Armando would like it. Oh, but the viewers would love it. Um, as far as shooting jokes, I don't really know. I don't know who's really the jokes like that. I guess, See, he throw jokes out there every now and then maybe. And, um, Puff is a funny dude, but I don't really know who be ranting and stuff like that. I haven't really had a chance. As, as privy as I've been to the guys, I haven't been able to really got, you know, like um, in the locker room and on the buses and stuff like that. Like I I, I I do know that they have been crowned sixth man of Carolina basketball, but there are certain areas where I just allow them to have their energy and just they're, – they're the scholarship athletes. That's their world things that they invite me into I love being a part of those, but you know I let them have their moments but I know that the cast would eat Mondo's ass alive
0: <laughs> the, the the Theo John the savage instagram though it does feel like Mondo would be a good fit
1: there he he knows when to, he knows when to push the buttons he does he does and Theo John is hilarious like Theo John has elevated himself as a transfer in just one season. This man has elevated himself into the to the atmosphere, the the Hendersons and the Reddicks and the and the Grayson Allens, the the hated, the most hated Duke players of all time, Christian Laettner's. I don't know how Theo John averaging two points a game was able to do that, but put that on your own resume, Theo, because you did it, buddy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Congrats, man. <laughs> Congrats, B um, dot. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Uh, big weekend. Uh, ahead for both the men 's and women 's teams uh yeah. best of luck to you can't wait
1: hey, same to you my God, my good brother man thanks for having me and um as always, go heels go heels Be
0: on everybody. take that energy into the weekend no matter what team you root for, but also root for the good team and now my final flame smell that. That's the beautiful grass of a spring training baseball game. Or a pair of teens named Welby in the apartment next door smoking marijuana. Either way, tis the season. I heard you say it. I swear you said it. God damn it, you said it, damn it! During the MLB lockout, you claimed you'd never watch the sport of baseball again. And yet, here we are. The riding lawnmowers have been let out of their pens, and they're racing down the field with normal-sized jockeys splayed out upon them. I'm talking people-sized people. The sights, sounds, and smacks of the beautiful game are back, and you've returned like a dutiful soldier to spend $6 on Cracker Jacks, and $575 on the feeling of not caring if you ever get back. I knew you'd be back. Baseball's as American as getting married to an apple pie at a chapel in Vegas. And this is poised to be an all-American summer. The sun is rising. The sprinklers are chirping. The pandemic is hesitant. So why not baseball, right? What else are you going to take up your time with? Judo? It's judo, isn't it? God damn it. Well, nonsense. It's your civic duty to buy a ticket to a game per week all season long. Help! make it two. Bring a friend. Bring Janet. Because the MLB owners sacrificed plenty for you to get to watch America's Pastime this summer. They took it on the chin in negotiations. They lost between half a million and a million dollars, which is definitely a portion of their total earnings. How big a portion? Well, I'll never tell. You'd sooner catch me boinking an apple pie. But now the game is back. The air is thick the sweats on your brow, and also in your grundle. The plastic seats smell like fresh cut grass because your seats are right in front of Welby's seats. Heads up, here comes a line drive right at your head, and your owner got rid of the netting to save a little on the bottom line. Oops, friend. For that welt on your head, it's freedom. It's honor. It's red, white, and blue, and it really should not be two of those colors. So before you pass out, salute with me to the grand old game of baseball. Three strikes and you might be out, but I'm never leaving because the weed teens stole my car. My thanks to BDOT and the True Crime Podcast Guy. See you next Thursday.